0: Welcome to the This Week in Rays Baseball podcast. Here's your host, Neil Solons. Welcome to our latest podcast here on an area of the west coast of Florida, which apparently is not west coast enough for some. And we probably won't talk more about that further, at least in great detail, with our first guest, who is the general manager and senior vice president of the Rays, Eric Neander. Eric, we certainly appreciate you coming on on the week leading up to the winter meetings. I'm sure there's a lot on your plate.
1: Yeah, I hope everyone had a good Thanksgiving and happy holidays to all. Um, no, we uh you know, with, with respect to, to Shohei, um I wanna respect the process and his privacy as he goes through this, so we'll avoid getting into that in any detail, but do want to take a minute just to to note how proud I think we all are of our staff and the amount of work that was put into, you know, frankly I think giving us the best possible chance uh to uh, to make our presentation and our pitch to to him Um very proud of the work we did and and certainly from an effort and thoughtfulness standpoint there are zero regrets and I think a lot that um, that we can take with us as we move forward despite the outcome itself
0: and look I don't want to um, discuss obviously you guys don't want to discuss in great detail but there were 10 teams in the east none of whom in the east divisions none of whom were included in the, the last process only uh, two teams in the central. So, again, it, based on what happened, it looks like the odds were against all teams on the east coast. But are there any particular individuals you want to highlight just for their work uh, on this podcast? Uh,
1: too many, uh, <laughs> <laughs> too many to count here. It was, it was a cross departmental effort from, you know, baseball ops to, to other areas of our organization as well in order to, to put things together. I, I, I think a few to keep it, um, you know, very brief, uh, Carlos Rodriguez, you know, leads our international efforts, has been on this for a very long time with our staff there. Patrick Walters, uh, Bobby Heck, you know, our special assistant who has spent a lot of time in Japan. And it's uh, been a big part of this. I could go on and on and on. This was, you know, I, I think in terms of people that were integral um, to this process, not just, you know, here lately on uh, putting together – you know, our work, but also over the last, you know, several years, uh, it's, it's a very long list and at least 20 to 30 deep, but those are a few of the key guys, um, that have been leading the charge. But like I said, I, I could go on for a while here on those that were also, uh, critical to, to our efforts. Um, but we'll, uh, we'll give you some time for some additional questions here on top. All right. Let's, uh, let's move to the baseball, um, and
0: what you're working on currently, uh you know looking forward to the winter meetings but also what just took place which was the tender deadline and there were three moves you made leading up to it all of them involved relievers um let's start with the first brad boxberger why did it make sense to move him now and how do you feel about the return player you got in curtis taylor from the diamondbacks
1: yeah i i think with box um he's had you know a really nice run with us during his during his time here and um you know, has had some really impactful moments on the field, and uh, certainly has the the talent and the ability to be a late inning uh, option. He's proven that over time. But uh, you know, in, in general, um, you know, our roster right now is very pitching heavy. Uh, we have a lot of young talent that we're very excited about. That is, um, you know, beginning to. Uh, to establish themselves at the major league level are getting very close to doing that. Uh, we want to make sure that we have lanes of opportunity open for that group as we move forward. And uh, not a situation where we're necessarily looking to move, you know, box at this point. But, uh, you know, Curtis is somebody that we got back that uh, we felt fit well into our system, um, you know, like the time available to develop him further. And, uh, the ingredients, these are the type of guys that you know we always need to have in our system, and they don't all pop. But but he's one we think has a good chance to continue to develop and uh one day be a major league contributor for us.
0: In high end arm 2016 draft means you
1: still have a couple of years before he isn't have he even has to be protected, right?
0: Yeah, absolutely.
1: You know, and um, you know, from uh, a northern area, <laughs> region, country, um. So, uh, you know, you're talking about somebody that has the the, the size and the strength and the power, um, you know, to have a chance to to play at the major league level and some real upside there. So we have the ability to be patient, to develop them properly, and, uh, you know, our, our, our pitching program, our player development staff that are most responsible for that do a wonderful job, and uh, we're excited to see how he progresses within our organization.
0: You mentioned lane of opportunity for some of the young guys. You've got Jose Alvarado, who performed well at the end of the year, Ryan Stanek, who grew. Jamie Schultz, Diego Castillo, um, Schultz, who was in AAA last year, Castillo in AAA, now added to the 40-man, and Ian Gabot, who I would think probably starts the year in AAA. Is this more high-end relief arms that you guys have accumulated since you've been in the organization, and is that the kind of group that may get an opportunity, along with, let's say, Chi Wei Hu and, let's say, that multi-inning type role?
1: Yeah, in terms of uh, a wave of pitching talent, uh, you know, historically, a lot of it – Um, And very fortunate for this to have been the case, a lot of it's been, you know, starters. You know, we've had a lot of successful starters that have come through our, you know, our our organization. Uh, Currently, yeah, this is probably, you know, we've talked about it some here and um, people that have been in our organization a long time in terms of the, you know, the the power potential, uh, the stuff potential of, of some of the arms we have in our bullpen right now and that are sitting in the upper levels, uh, it's probably as good of a group as we've ever had here. So that's that's something that's very exciting. You know, again, a testament to our staff, a testament to those players for putting in the work necessary to get to this point. But they're still, they're still quite a bit ahead of them uh, in order for them to, you know, do what we need them to do up here. But collectively as a group, it's it's something that we're all proud of and excited to see how it plays out.
0: And I would guess that also played into the other decisions: uh, Chase Whitley being put on waivers, and then Xavier Cedeno non-tendered, with maybe some of the lefty depth that you do have accumulated.
1: Yeah, uh, not easy decisions to make, uh, but we felt that just with respect to our, you know, our, our pitching depth, and again, it's it's upper level. You know, it's just about everybody on our roster I think will be a triple A in the big leagues this year and uh, deserve opportunity, and we want to see them you know, flourish. So uh you you have to make some tough calls, but it's you know, I think it's the depth and the confidence we have in that group that um you know that led us down the path of some of the decisions we've made and you know, Chase was, you know, as much of a pro, you know, as it gets with us. Um, tremendous character, tremendous teammate, um, a great a great leader for our younger players and something that uh will be missed, but wish him nothing but the best as he moves forward and, and the same goes for X. You know, he um he did a wonderful job for us as a, a high class, you know, mm-hmm. person and human being and uh wish him nothing but the best and, and we'll see where it goes from here with him.
0: Because you guys still have a chance, I guess, to re sign him depending on the circumstances.
1: Yeah, I, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll keep the lines of communication open and, and, and we'll see where things go from here.
0: Now you take a look at your bullpen, you know, and a lot of fans focus on this. And we get to the position player side as we head toward the winter meetings. But, you know, Ciszek and Romo and Hunter were all free agents. You know, you've now moved three potential relievers. You've got a lot of young talent and some guys who did contribute, including Jose Alvarado. But there are also rumors that you may move relievers too. How in the free agent market? Um, how much of your needs may have to be filled, at least with a veteran or two, for 2018?
1: I don't think you have to look very far back into our past to, to recognize and appreciate how much having veteran guys in your pen can can mean to your chances of, of winning games on a consistent basis. And it's not just the talent and the impact while they're on the mound. It's just uh, – it's not easy to be a reliever in the major leagues and there's a lot of uncertainty with your role and when you're needed and for how long and how much and, and and to have guys out there that have been there, done that, um, that have been on winning clubs, et cetera, can really be a stabilizer for the full group. and, you know, I, it's something that uh, has never been lost on us. You know, it's just a matter of, you know, landing the right veterans on, on the right deals and the right opportunities. And sometimes that's easier said than done. But um, yeah, you know, different looks, different styles, different experience levels. Um, it seems more and more that bullpens are about, you know, power and about diversity, you know, of looks and of talents. And uh, that's something that we'll, you know, we'll be actively looking to, you know, um, accomplish going into 2018. Is the slow market helpful for you
0: guys? Is it a good or a bad thing right now? Because it's been slow not only for relievers, but across the board.
1: Yeah, I'm not, I'm not really sure. I, I think from from our standpoint, and it, this applies to this offseason, but I think it applies to any off season where all we can do is be prepared. And, you know, we have to have our, our player valuations in, in the right place and the right work behind it. And, uh, you know, we, we can't necessarily control... The, the, the pace at which anything goes fast slow you know other uh, so uh, I, I don't necessarily know if it's something that has an effect on us that is you know different from the average club out there you know like I said that what we can do is control our level of preparation and the way that we evaluate players and uh, be as you know responsive as we can be when things start to move the
0: uh, the free agent market is obviously something you guys have to kind of wait sometimes on the back end for. But a lot of your needs are filled via trades. How much of that is, you know, you've got a few spots open on your 40-man. How much of it is that? And how much of it is you probably need some more position players right now. You're very pitching heavy.
1: Yeah, it's kind of an interesting situation. I can't think of too many years, um, at least off the top of my head, where we've been, you know, carrying – 37 if i'm not mistaken right now um you know into this part of the winter and prior to the the rule five but you you know you touched on it i think we are 40 man in the way it's currently just constructed um we have a lot of pitching uh we don't have as many position players and uh we we need to be very cognizant of i think our needs and what's going to be required to fill out our major league team and roster as we go forward so um you know it's all it's all been done with i think a lot of thought behind it uh, and you know being in a position to you know give us as much flexibility as we navigate the winter here and um you know when you're setting your 40-man roster there are a lot of tough decisions that go into that we, we did the best i think with the information we had available to to make those decisions and based on our staff recommendations and um we, we feel like we made the right choices to put us in the 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 best position to you know to carry out this winter
0: one of the pieces of of the winter meetings is the Rule Five. Do you expect to lose somebody in that draft, and how concerned do you get with that whole process?
1: Uh, it's always possible uh, that we that we lose someone, uh, certainly that someone's selected, and whether or not they um, are ultimately lost, you know, it's it's always possible, and that's a, a risk you're willing to take when when you don't protect talented players uh, that are eligible. So. Um, you know, I think more than anything, uh, when you're in that position, it, it speaks uh, to the talent that has been developed, you know, that we have in our system. And I think we are, you know, probably as talented and as deep as we've been in a long time. So um, while, it, while it's something that probably every club, when you don't protect someone, you worry about it to some extent. And uh, I think especially with some of the depth that we've been able to assemble here over the last few years, it's probably more the case. But uh, would much rather be in a position where, where that's the case than, you know, being somewhere where we, we aren't as strong and we aren't as deep within our minor league system.
0: I think you spelled, though, at the end of the season, the, the big thing is that you're still, you improved last year, but you're still a ways away. Do you feel that things, that there are some opportunities out there to help you guys take that next step, whether it's to go from 80 to closer to 90 wins or have to take some sort of step back to be able to put yourself in position to get to 90 in the, in the near term?
1: It's, it's hard to say. Um, I think there are a lot of different ways, paths, avenues, whatever you want to call them, that teams have taken over time to put themselves in a position to um, to be a playoff caliber or better uh, type of team. So uh, it, it's certainly clear to us that, that based on where our major league team has been over – you know the last several years that we, we we need to get better you know it's it's a matter of um of having more talent on our major league team in order for us to get where we want to go so how we go about doing that um you know trade free agency those are always options and things that we you know constantly explore uh, and you touched on a little bit you know i think with respect to our our minor league system and some of the talent that hopefully is getting close to graduate graduating and being a part of our major league team it's as strong of a group as we've had in a long time and uh, you know, we, we, need those guys to, uh, to, c- to continue developing, continue growing. And, and, and those are really going to be the key drivers, I think, to the, the amount of success we have over the next few years. I certainly appreciate the insight into what's gone on so far and what you have coming
0: forward. I'm sure we'll see you plenty at the winter meetings. We appreciate some time on our latest podcast. All right. Thanks, Neil. All right. That's Ray's GM and senior vice president, Eric Neander. And, uh, obviously, understandable that at the top of the podcast we really didn't get a, 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 as much in-depth as we would like regarding Mr. Otani, but Mark Topkin at the Tampa Bay Times certainly can provide us at least some insight, and Mark, I appreciate you coming on. I guess it's, the race shouldn't be that disappointed being that no team in either division in the East and only two teams in the Central are part of his seven finalists.
2: Yeah, I mean, I could see there's some solace in that and and that, you know, they obviously can't overcome geography, but this is such a special, unique, unusual, different courtship of a player. This really is something unprecedented. A lot of people in baseball agree, and because of that, I thought that the Rays really had a chance, that, you know, all the, the paradigms that typically are involved with things, you know team-wide, 30 team-wide biddings would be irrelevant, and the Raysville <laughs> would have a shot, that they had a unique story to tell. They had a unique situation. I wrote about it in Sunday's Tampa Bay Times. I thought the idea, and I don't know this, because obviously, as you had Eric on, he doesn't share a lot, unless maybe he showed you the presentation, the proofread it. He certainly didn't want to give me any hints about what it was in there, but you know, my sense is that they were going to push heavily their experience with Brendan McKay, their commitment with Brendan McKay. The, the partnership they'd struck with him and, and kind of let that be the format for which to kind of, you know, show Otani this, look, we've done this. We can actually do it. We show you how, and, and we think, you know, you can make it. We're not just going to do this as an experiment. I mean, that, to me, was the one thing that some of the bigger market teams, you wondered, were they just going to pay lip service here? Yeah, yeah, you could be a two-way player. You'll be fine. I hope the Rays had a very sincere and unique story to tell. So I think in that regard, it is disappointing. And the fact that, obviously, let's be honest, Neil, I and mean, this was a chance to get a player that, on an open market would probably be a $200 million-plus mm-hmm. player, and they had a chance to get him for, you know, 20, even if they had, uh, let's say they obtained a little bit of extra money here, $22 million or something. That would have been an incredible investment for the Rays, an incredible opportunity. So that's why I think it's disappointing, and I know how much work they put in on it, too.
0: No doubt. Um, but I guess I'm looking at terms of the big picture. At least you don't have to face them in division. Um, you know, I think it probably would have been disheartening not only to lose, but to have to see them with New York or Boston right. or one of those right. clubs.
2: Sure, to have him come in, I remember when um, the Red Sox, there was such hype over the gyro ball and, and, you know, with um, Dice K, and it was like, you know, the Rays had to be kind of party to that. So at least they're not going to have to see him much if he ends up on one of those West Coast teams. Obviously, if uh, Seattle or the Angels do get him, they'll at least have to see him twice a year. But it will take a little bit of the sting out of it. But, you know, then again, there's so many lines of thought out there and so many rumors. I mean, one is that with Ohtani off the board, the Yankees are now going to turn their attention to Alex Cobb. So that would not be a very good consolation prize if the Rays had to face Alex Cobb six times a
0: year. No, no. It could be CC C. Sabathia, though. We'll see how that plays out. You know, we do know how things played out with the with the tender decisions, and I don't know if I was really that surprised. You know, we did talk with Eric about Boxberger and Whitley and Sedano. I mean... I wasn't that surprised that those guys were moved. I guess the the big question now is how many of the young guys will get a chance at the beginning of eighteen. I think we'll see a lot of them during the season. Or and how do the Rays kind of figure out the back of the bullpen before uh, March 29th, whatever it may be?
2: Yeah, I think that'll be interesting. And then I, I I would agree with you that if you know we were going to go through the list and say what guys were more likely to get non tender. on the list. I was a little surprised at Whitley only because the salary projection of about a million dollars, you think about anyone who's on the roster is gonna cost you five forty five is the minimum. So mm-hmm. there really wasn't net gain there and I thought they liked Chase Whitley. I thought Chase Whitley's ability to pitch in long relief, to fill in as a starter to pitch out of the bullpen on a regular basis, that those you know scenarios would fit in, especially given, you know, as Kevin Cash has already said, that they plan to be more aggressive in using the bullpen and pulling starters early. So Whitley was probably the one that surprised me. Uh, but you're right. There's definitely a clear message here, and then right about that Sunday as well, the Tampa Bay Times, yeah, that, you know, they are clearly going to commit to using their young arms. Now, they've got an impressive stash. You can sit here and, you know, count the starters and the relievers. So At this point, there's a chance some guys could be asked to change roles. And I think there is an impressive list, you know, of 9, 10, 11 deep of guys that could be part of this bullpen in addition to you know, a couple guys that we would expect to be there. And, and there's still obviously the question hanging over the Rays, are they going to trade Alex Colomay their closer? Because there's going to be a lot of interest in him from some established teams looking for an established
0: closer. And they do have now three open spots on the roster. And so if they were to do a two-for-one, a three-for-one in terms of 40-man guys, now they do have the flexibility. Uh, not that that's the reason for the moves they made, but it does give them flexibility.
2: It does. And then, you know, you could carry that even further, too. It gives them flexibility to sign one of the other players that was non-tendered by a different team. There were a couple of relievers out there where sometimes mm-hmm. you can pick a guy up and give him, an, you know, he'll take a lesser salary for the opportunity to be on a 40-man roster. You know, these guys, it gets in their head. There's a little bit of clock in a lot of players' heads that they kind of want to know by Christmas where they're going. And this market has been so slow to unfold. So it's possible, even though the Rays typically. Wait on free agents it's not you know to me it's reasonable to think they could be proactive on a couple guys at the lower end of the market and sign them now so they have some flexibility to do that they also would have some flexibility if they wanted to make a rule five pick
0: i asked eric this and i'm curious your take you know he wasn't quite sure with the slow market does that help the race or does it hurt him
2: <sighs> it's a good question you always have good questions neil and it's not always whether it's like one bowl of popcorn or two so <laughs> um I would say my gut reaction is it probably hurts them because most of their action tends to be, you know, either trading to teams that don't want to spend big on free agents or signing guys toward the end of the market that are left over or are not getting what they wanted and will take the opportunity for a lesser salary. So in that regard, you know, like for example, if a team is considering, let's just say hypothetically, trading for Jake Rizzi or Chris Archer. But they're also weighing the free agent market until some of those free agent signings, and you know, use Alex Cobb as an example, you Darvis, Jake Arrieta, mm-hmm. you know, something has to happen first. A team may, you know, be wrestling with, oh, do we want to give up, you know, three prospects to the Rays to get a starter, or should we, and have to pay him, or should we just pay for a free agent? So the market needs to get moving. I think for some of those decisions that aren't even in the Rays' hands to get forced.
0: Fair enough. And by the way, I, I would go with one right now. I'm trying to, you know, watch uh, watch the extra season, calories. Get to your off season weight. Yes, exactly. Um, the other thing I was curious from your standpoint um, in terms of the off season, we haven't really touched on it. You know, everything's been focused on the bullpen with the moves that you know the Rays made and the needs to bring the need to bring some guys in. But there, are, and that's including Justin Williams and Micah Johnson, Justin, hasn't had a triple-A at bat. Micah was just a recent waiver claim and could become the Richie Schaefer of the offseason. They're only carrying 15 position players. Chances are, at some point, whether it's by trade or other method, they're going to have to add some position players to thicken in the 40-man.
2: No doubt, no doubt. And, you know, you, you could play a game right now with, with the team that they have, but it wouldn't necessarily be the best uh, optimal lineup here. I mean, they, you know, if let's if Corey Dickerson isn't traded, he could still be the left fielder. Brad Miller could be the DH, but you'd need a first baseman, or Brad Miller could go back to first base. Dickerson could DH. Malik Smith could play left field. I mean, there's, there needs to be your right. The more parts added there, you know. Matt Duffy could play second base, obviously, and then mm-hmm. Miller could go to first. So there's different ways to align it, but yeah, I think the Rays, you know, at some point, and, and they always hate to define what they're looking for, and, and they're really very reluctant to say those type of things, you know, just like so they don't want to say what their budget is and things like that you see from other teams. But, yeah, at some point, they need to get a first baseman or a DH, you would think. I mean, I, cause they could fill those spots and go get a left fielder, and that's part of the flexibility that they like to have and they boast about, but they're going to need to go get a hitter somewhere. I mean, I mentioned Mike Napoli's name mm-hmm. as a possibility. You know they're going to need another experienced catcher. Ideally, it would be someone who has options, who they can bring up and down if there were to be an injury to Ramos or to Sucre. But they're going to need another catcher who's going to have to be on the 40 at some point, whether he starts on the 40 or he gets put there. But usually, a guy with experience is going to be a 40 man guy. So there's going to be a couple things they're going to have to do and position player wise. And that's assuming that they don't trade from this core. And you know, and I know I've written and you know we're not breaking any news here, but you know there's a fair amount of speculation they could trade. Evan Longoria, maybe they could create Wilson Ramos, Uh, Echeverria. I mean, there's some guys, Brad Miller, Corey Dickerson, there's some guys that names are going to be floated out there as far as potential trades, too. So that could obviously change what they need as well as we go forward here through the offseason.
0: No doubt. Mark, good stuff. Uh, We will see you in Orlando, so we'll see what happens there.
2: So a meal warning, you'll be at the winter meetings, huh?
0: I will be there. You're you're duly warned.
2: Look forward to it, kind of.
0: Well, I probably would say kind of on my end, too. That's Mark Topkin of the Tampa Bay Times. you will see plenty of him next week. Speaking of next week, we will have a couple shows that will become podcast too regarding the hot stove that on our flagship and we'll put those out as well and before we get to those though I wanted to get to some listener questions that were tweeted out this morning and uh, one of them came from Gabriel Bauman who said what's the next move for the Rays since Otani is not coming to Tampa Bay and yeah, I don't want to guess as to what players they would move or trade for but I would think that more than likely this is the case for the Rays more of your moves in the offseason are come coming via trade so i would expect at some point that some type of trade would be made in fact sandy Casmir asked about the odds of certain players getting traded um and i don't want to specify or, or or be specific on odds of players getting traded but i would think that the rays are going to have to make moves to add to their roster and improve their roster look the right side of the infield needs to be improved Left field is still somewhat of a question mark for the upcoming season, and now they also will have to, well, they were going to have to anyway, is find ways to upgrade their bullpen, at least to the start of the year, while some of the talented young kids that I think are going to be very good in the future, uh, kind of get their feet wet. And then the other question that I, well, a couple other questions on the trades. Um, Tonnage4 said, What are the best in house late inning options if the Rays were to trade Alex Colomay, as Mark Topkin alluded to? And I would still think that the Rays are going to add established relievers on the free agent market during the offseason. The fact that the market is moving so slow means to me there are going to be some players that will be good fits like a Tommy Hunter was last year. Um, and while the Rays didn't want necessarily Tommy to close initially, um, they had Alex Colomay. There may be some situations, if they were to make a move, uh, where they would get an in-house option or, or, or excuse me, or add a free agent option. And there's also the possibility that one of their trades could bring back an established reliever who, if they were to trade Alex, they might find someone who could be their closer for the time being. But there's 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 a a core of guys like Diego Castillo, Jose Alvarado, Ryan Stanek, Ian Gabo, Jamie Schultz, who I all think at some point have the ability to play major roles in terms of uh, being at the late-end bullpen for Tampa Bay, whether it's 2018, early, late, even 2019, I think all of those guys have the ability to contribute, and I'm probably missing some individuals. And then another question came from Kurt McDonald, who listens to us in Australia, who asked about the chances that Nick Shufo has claimed for the Rule 5 draft and uh, how it would impact catching depth. Look, I I like Nick. He's a terrific kid. He's been two-time defensive player of the year, but he really didn't have a great year at the AA level he didn't dominate the level by any stretch and he'd probably be the first to tell you that I would still think whether the race have Nick and if he's claimed in the rule five or not claimed, or even if he is, and then comes back, they're probably going to add a veteran catcher for the triple a level in case of injury to Wilson Ramos and Jesus Sucre. Um, I think that's the great likelihood and probably on a minor league deal. I know Mark question major, I think probably minor. And then you add him to the major league roster when you need him at the big league level. So it's not to impact your 40. I think one thing that, you know, hasn't been stated and I think is important is that the Rays are carrying right now, I, I think I briefly mentioned it, only 15 position players. That includes Justin Williams, who hasn't had a AAA at bat in the regular season. He played in the playoffs. And also Micah Johnson, who could become this year's version of Richie Schaefer. So yes, the Rays could field a major league club, but normally they're going to carry 18, 19 position players. So you're going to see things change and alter over the course of the off-season, and we'll be following it for you uh, on our blog, raceradio.mlblogs.com. If there's reason for another podcast before the winter meetings, we'll do it. Otherwise, expect one at the start and then one at the end, and keep posting on our blog and on our tweets as to what's going on with the race. Thanks very much for all your questions. Thanks to Mark Topkin and Eric Neander. We'll talk to you soon.